There are two short readings today. First of all, Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22, then chapter 7. So, Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Fantastic. Thank you, Vivian. Uh, good morning, everyone. It'd be really good if you could have Matthew chapter 5 open. Kids, you have a sheet as well that you can make notes on. Jesus and the angry. That's our topic for today. Um, eight years ago this week, so Alex Ferguson retired as manager of Manchester United. And some of you already know where this is, illustration is going to go. Uh, and since then, we haven't won the league. Uh, when I think of anger, Ferguson is one of the people that springs to mind. He was known, he was legendary for having a temper. Probably the most famous example of that happened in 2003, where United had lost 2-0 to Arsenal, and Ferguson ended up booting uh, a football boot at David Beckham's head. And the next morning, the papers were filled with these pictures of Beckham with his amazing, really expensive haircut and a big plaster on his forehead. Now, Ferguson was known for having a temper. But I think we all experience anger at different times and in different ways. Gareth's already touched on this. So I've read that feelings of anger are generally wrongly handled in one of two ways. Either people blow up or they clam up. If you blow up, you're going to shout and rant and hit things and drive too recklessly or get confrontational with people. If you clam up, it means you quietly internalize the emotion of anger and you seethe, you grumble, you cold shoulder, you keep score, you withdraw, you're sarcastic. And I wonder which one of those you are more likely to fall into. Obviously, it's on a spectrum. Sometimes when we talk about anger, we can just think of someone getting visibly, physically angry. But sometimes anger is really quiet and other people around won't even realize. I want us to keep that in mind as we think about anger this morning. And what does the Bible say about this emotion? What does the Lord Jesus say about this important part of our lives? Well, we're going to find out in a couple of minutes. Let me pray, and then we'll get stuck into those passages. Let's pray. 
Father God in heaven, we come here this morning from different places and with different experiences, and we will have gone through different emotions this week. Some of those emotions will be unknown to anyone else in this hall, but you know, Father, you know each of us, you know our hearts, you know our minds, and so I just ask that you would please speak to us this morning through your words, and you would give us ears and minds and hearts that would listen and would also respond in the way you want us to. In Jesus' name. Amen. Having thought about this for a while, I think that a lot of anger that we experience is unhelpful and is wrong and has a sinful element to it. A lot of anger does. But as we begin, it's worth recognizing that some anger is right and good and justified. And so anger about racism, anger about someone being abused, anger about unfair treatment for people, anger about dishonesty, anger about the injustices of the world. Sometimes I get, I get angry about those things. There are a couple of those that make me furious. And actually, that is good. That is right. And God gets angry. But God's anger is only ever good and right. So in Exodus chapter 15, he says this, In the greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise up against you. You send forth your burning anger, and it consumes them as chaff. Now, the context of Exodus 15 is that the Hebrew slaves had just been rescued from Egypt. God has rescued them through the Red Sea, and then he has brought the Red Sea crashing down on the Egyptian army. He's brought it crashing down on them in anger and in judgment. And Moses leads this song of praise in front of the whole of the people of Israel, and in it, he praises, in a positive sense, God's anger. In Ezekiel chapter 7, it says this. God says, I'm about to pour out my wrath on you and spend my anger against you. I will judge you according to your conduct and repay you for all your detestable practices. Now, what kind of anger are those verses describing? They're describing God making a just response to evil. And one of the differences between us and God, there are lots of differences, but one of them is that God knows everything. God's knowledge is complete. God's knowledge is perfect. And that is very different from us. And so he is always responding to perfect knowledge in a perfect way. We see a version of this acted out when Jesus goes into the temple court in Matthew chapter 21. He overturns the the, the tables and the money changers and he drives them out of the temple. And that is his anger against the way people are treating God and the way people are treating others. At the same time, God is notably slow to anger and notably merciful. So Gareth helpfully drew our attention to uh, Exodus chapter 34 earlier, where God describes himself like this. He says that he is the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love. And the wonderful news is that if we're trusting in Jesus, he does not treat us as our sins deserve because the Lord Jesus took God's anger on himself at the cross and his wrath is appeased. And so sometimes when we are getting angry, we are reflecting God's anger against sin, against injustice. And that's the right thing to do. Sometimes we should get more angry at those things. And there are people in authority who as part of their role, they reflect God's anger. They do respond in justice against injustice. So the police, the courts, even parents within the family It is right sometimes for you to express anger. But most human anger, I think, is is wrong. It has a sinful element to it. Most of the times when I get angry or frustrated, 
It is wrong. It's unhelpful. And more than that, it's destructive. It's the willful, petty, entitled, irritable, argumentative, vindictive anger that is so common in our daily lives. And that's what we're going to focus on in this talk, and that, I think, is what Jesus is focusing on in his words. And that is the experience, I think, for lots of us. But we experience it in slightly different ways. So for some people, anger just comes and goes. There are just moments where you get angry, and there are lots of times where you're not angry. But there may be people here this morning, or there may be people watching online, who actually, you really, really struggle with anger. Anger is an overriding emotion for you. When you go to bed, when you wake up in the morning, when you wake up in the middle of the night, when your mind wanders during the day, you feel angry. I don't know what you're angry at. Maybe it's at a person. Maybe it's at a group. Maybe it's at a situation. Maybe you have been so lost in anger, now you just feel angry some of the time. You just feel angry. And you don't even know why. Uh, last year, I, I was going through a, a period of feeling really, really angry. Really angry. And I was getting to the stage where I would wake up in the middle of the night and just be angry. <laughs> and I couldn't even remember for the first couple of minutes what I was angry about. And I thought, this is ridiculous. And so last summer, when I went away on holiday, I took a couple of books, Christian books, that are about anger. And I prayed about it, and I read those books. Uh, and some of the things, some of the words that Jesus says in these passages really helped me, and I hope that they will help you, if you are really struggling with it. So let me read the first of the two passages we're going to focus on this morning. We'll look at other bits of the Bible, but we'll focus on these two. They're both in the Sermon on the Mount, and this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. He says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. That last phrase, the fire of hell, it shows us how seriously Jesus takes sinful anger. Someone pointed out after the morning service that this also comes very early in the Sermon on the Mount. Before Jesus talks about lots of other issues, he talks about anger. Jesus takes this seriously, even if we like to pass it off. Even if we say, well, there's lots of reasons for it. Or if we say, I've got a temper. I've got a temper. My dad had a temper. My granddad had a temper. I'm just wired like that. I'm just a bit fiery. Jesus doesn't give us any room for that. And so Jesus goes straight to the sixth of the Ten Commandments, and he says, this is what it says, you shall not murder. But then he expands it to include being angry at someone and calling them a fool, calling them an idiot. And that's partly showing God's perfect standards of holiness. They are so much higher and so much greater than we naturally think that they are. Jesus is saying, look, forget about the criminal acts. It's about your attitudes. It's about how you think of others. And so when we read Jesus' words in Matthew 5, it's really important that we all take on board the challenge. Jesus is talking about murder, but he's also talking about blowing up. He's talking about clamming up. He's talking about a whole range of uh, angry responses. But he's also showing that murdering someone and calling them an idiot come from the same kind of source. They come from the same arrogant, violent heart attitudes. Murder, calling someone a fool. The only difference is that in the one instance, you pull out a gun and you shoot them. And in the other instance, you pull out sarcasm. Or you pull out the silent treatment. Or you just are frustrated with them and you don't even tell them why. 
comes from the same source, the same evil in our hearts. To be angry is to destroy. It's volatile, it's destructive. Even God's anger is destructive, but it has a good cause to it. And we know that it's destructive, don't we? If you're going to work on, uh, tomorrow morning and someone says to you, I've just seen the boss in the corridor and they are in a really bad mood, you don't think, oh, brilliant, brilliant. It's going to be a fantastic day for our team. Anger's destructive. It breaks down relationships. The book of Proverbs in the Old Testament has quite a bit to say about anger, helpful things to say about anger. It says this in Proverbs 14. It says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Now, I think there's some irony there. Think back to Jesus' words. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, uh, don't call someone else a fool. If you call someone else a fool, then it's as bad as murder. But what does the writer to Proverbs say? Says He says that when we get angry, when we lose our temper, we are more prone to making foolish decisions. He's saying we are the fool if you get angry. And again, we know that, don't we? We know that hot-headedness rarely leads to better decision-making. If you're making a big decision at home, if you're having a conversation about where you're going to go in the summer or even about moving house or something like that, or if the YPF leaders are meeting this week to plan something for their summer camp, you're not going to get a WhatsApp going around in advance saying, look, the thing that would be really helpful is for everyone to turn up in a real mood. Can you please just get really, really angry about something before we start the meeting? We know, don't we, that being hot-headed, being angry, doesn't help us in our decisions. And yet lots of us will have said things or texted things or put things on social media or done things when we are angry. Proverbs chapter 16 says this. It says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. And so the way of wisdom and the way of strength, according to the Bible, is not to get angry, not to lose your temper, not to be frustrated. Instead, the way of wisdom is the opposite of that. And if you're here this morning or you're watching online and maybe you're thinking about Jesus' words for the first time, or you've been here for the last few uh, talks in this series, and, and, and you've heard a bit about Jesus, but this is the first time you've really examined his words. I think a really good question to ask is, do they make sense of life? Do they make sense of life? Do they make sense of our human nature? And does his way of living and the Bible's way of living sound like a good life? Or is the opposite actually better? And I think on this topic of, of anger, we would say, actually, Jesus' words make sense. So what causes anger? What causes of anger? We could spend hours discussing this. Maybe some of us would enjoy discussing this for hours. Maybe it's the attitude of, of people in power who lie, or maybe it's injustices, or maybe it's the photocopier breaking at work. Or maybe it is someone scratching your car. Or maybe it's someone at home not tidying up after themselves, not tidying up their shoes in Gareth's house. Obviously, that never happens in my house. Or maybe it's the thing that you haven't got that other people have, seem to have so easily. So they've got that relationship. They've got that husband. They've got that wife. They've got that career. They've got that ability. They've got that kind of easy, easy friendliness. They've got that popularity, and you don't. And it is so, so frustrating. Now, that's quite, those are deep causes, but the Bible pushes us to look even more deeply. The Bible always pushes us to look at the deepest causes. And here's the first big one. Anger is about 
judgment. Anger is about judgment. Jesus hones in on this in the later part of the Sermon on the Mount. He says this in Matthew chapter 7. He says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrites, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus doesn't actually mention anger here, but I could imagine that someone who is this critical of other people is also the kind of person who would get annoyed with them and who would call them a fool and would get angry with them. I think it's the same kind of attitude. And do you see what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying we are experts at judging others, but we are terrible at judging ourselves. We're experts at judging others, but we're terrible at judging ourselves. And that judgment is at the root cause of anger. That's the most helpful thing I realized last summer. I say I realized, I read it in a book. Someone told me in a book. Anger is about judgment. And we are the judge. And we're passing judgment on someone else. We're saying they are guilty. They are wrong. And sometimes there are reasons for our verdict. Sometimes there is evidence. But the problem is that in this court scene, we're not independent. And so within the UK justice system, judges will recuse themselves. They will step down off the bench if they have a personal connection to the case. And the reason why they do that is because they know their verdict is biased. It's tainted. But in our day-to-day relationships, we keep on judging other people when we get angry at them. And we stay as judge and jury and prosecutor and executioner. That is how we operate. And so I'm over here and my anger is all about judging that person. And I'm declaring a verdict on them. And in Jesus' words, I'm very happy to spot the very tiniest bit of sawdust in their eyes. I'm very happy to point it out to them or get angry with them or think that they're a fool. But Jesus says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And Jesus uses this ridiculous image to show us how foolish we are. Now, think about the picture. The picture isn't that I've got a plank in my own eye and the plank is this long, but I think it's this long. Or the plank is this wide, but I think it's this wide. No, Jesus says, I don't even realize there's a plank in my eye. I'm totally blind to it. Now, why would that be? Anger is about judgment, and anger is also about self-centeredness. Most anger comes from the fact that we haven't got what we want and that our pride is being affected. And so in the 16th century, Copernicus came along and Copernicus came up with his ideas of the universe. And before that, people thought the universe revolved around Earth. And in our day-to-day lives, our natural disposition, our natural way of thinking is to think that everything is about us. Everything revolves around us. It just is. It's the way it is. It's amazing if you look on the internet and you just Google anger quotes, how many of those quotes are essentially justifying our anger. So listening to this quote, and uh, I was going to say, tell me what you think. Don't tell me what you think. You're not allowed to. Text me afterwards. It says this, try to manage your anger because people can't manage their stupidity. Okay, that's helpful wisdom from Google. Well done, Google. Try to manage your anger because people can't manage their stupidity. Now, what is that saying? It's saying 
Look, you should try to manage your anger. It's not a helpful way to live to have this anger. It's not good for your blood pressure. It's not good for your, your, your well-being. But there is reason for it because other people are really, really stupid. And that is the way that anger thinks. We get angry when we feel like we've lost out. We've been treated less well than someone else. We haven't got what we wanted. We haven't been recognized for the brilliant person we are. You can see that if you look at a toddler. Now, I don't know what your experience of toddlers is, but my experience is that toddlers don't get angry because they're reading the newspaper and thinking, wow, there's injustices on the other side of the planet. They're not thinking that. They're getting angry because you're refusing to give them ice cream because it's 5.30 in the morning. Okay? That's why they get angry. I've been there. Probably was that toddler. <laughs> Sorry, Mum. Anger comes from, from wanting something and not getting it. Anger comes from, from wanting to be in control. And then when we lose control, we lash out. Anger comes from being entitled. Anger comes from being unrealistic. Anger comes when we feel threatened. It's really interesting in Matthew chapter 2 that King Herod is furious. That's the language that it uses. It says that he is furious. Now, why is he furious in Matthew chapter 2? Because he is threatened, because there's a new king on the scene. Jesus has come, and so Herod is furious, and Herod starts lashing out and, and killing the children. And aren't we like that? We get angry when our pride is punctured. I think there's a huge connection between anger and our personal pride. We don't like to know that we are in the wrong. Uh, let me give you an illustration of that. I, I don't want to tell the story, but I'll tell the story for the sake of the, of the sermon um, because I don't look very good in this story. So this is from two or three years ago, and we were going away on holiday, and uh, Becky and the girls were packing the car. Becky was packing the car. The girls were, I don't know what they were doing. But they were outside, and in those days, we had a, uh, a, a, our front door was one of those doors that locked if you closed the door. Um, it just automatically locked. Um, and I stepped out of the house, and I closed the door behind me. Now, Becky at no point had said that she'd finished packing the car and that we were ready to go, and at no point had she said that she had a key or anything like that, but I just closed the door, and she looked up, and she went, oh, the key's inside the house. And I got really angry. <laughs> I got really angry with her, and I said, why didn't you have the key? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you stop me? When actually, it was entirely my fault. Um, and I think that is just because I, I don't like being the one at fault. My response to that is anger. Now, if you want to know how that story uh, finishes, uh, it ended like this. I had to drill uh, through, <laughs> I had to break into a garage and then drill through the back door to get in. And if you want to visit our house, that hole is still there. Um, this, is, <laughs> this is sin, okay? This is sin. Sin is all about us curved in on ourselves. That's what Augustine said. Sin is us curved in on ourselves. We're at the center. And here's the thing. Anger is often deluded it's deluded. It gives us these glasses to wear, and we only see a skewed picture. And that's because we're only prepared to judge others and not ourselves. And the really strange thing is that when, we, when it's all about us, we have these huge blind spots to our own mistakes and our own weaknesses and our own sins. And so Jesus' warning in verse 2 is that we will be judged by a God who does know us. He does know what we are like. He does know our heart attitudes. He does know uh, our actions. And he will judge justly. Now that whole picture that Jesus gives of the fact that we look outwards to others and we judge others and we don't judge ourselves, we get angry at others and don't think about our own role, does that make sense? Let me, um, let me talk about traffic jams for a moment. Traffic jams. No one likes a traffic jam. 
We get really angry at traffic jams, we get frustrated. But imagine you are there on the A3, you've, you've come onto the A3 and everything is jammed up. Your automatic reaction, if you're like me, is, this is really annoying. This is so annoying, why is all this traffic here? Because I need to get to work, or I need to get to meet that person. I said I would be there at 10.30 and I'm going to be late. I'm not going to look very good. But a mile up the road, there might be a car crash, a horrendous car crash. And someone might be suffering or dying. Lives might be changing. I don't care about that. I just care about myself. Or think about, you pull onto the, uh, onto the A3, and it's just because of the volume of traffic. There are just too many cars on the road, and it's just all snarled up. And I think, why are all these cars on the road? Why are all these cars on the road? And I get angry. When actually, I am one of the cars on the road. I am equally at fault. If I wasn't on that road, there would be a lower volume of traffic. And I think that is just an indication for us that that is the way we think. We always think about what other people do wrong. We pronounce the verdict on them. And Jesus says anger is brilliantly skilled at judging others, but totally unskilled at judging ourselves. And so Jesus concludes by calling the person who gets angry, but doesn't recognize their own faults, a hypocrite. Verse 5, he says, you hypocrites, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so what do we do then? What do we do? As we finish, what do we do if we are struggling with this? If actually, as we've heard what Jesus has said, we think, yeah, that is me some of the time. How do we make sure that anger doesn't destroy, destroy us, destroy others? Well, let's just think about two areas. Two areas in which our minds and our attitudes can be trans- transformed by the truth of God's word. But this isn't just for this area. Actually, this, as a general principle for the Christian life, if you understand these two things, you're a long way along the road. Number one, how we think of ourselves. And number two, how we think of God. So how we think of ourselves. We need to recognize that we don't know everything. One of the reasons why we are so rubbish at judging others is because we just don't know everything. We don't have complete knowledge. We have very, very, very limited knowledge. And so we don't understand everything that's built up to what they've done. We don't understand what's a mile ahead in the traffic. We don't know why people have said certain things. We don't know the pressures they're under. We don't know the conversations that have happened. We also don't know people's motives fully. We can guess at them, but we need to be slow to do that. We need to be generous in the way that we do that. Jesus, who is speaking these words in these passages, he actually does know people's motives. In his earthly life, in his earthly ministry, he seemed to know people's hearts, their motives, their attitudes, and their backgrounds. We saw that with a Samaritan woman at the well last week. Jesus knew. But we are not the Son of God incarnate. We're not. And so we need to be really careful about that. Instead, we should be quick to judge our own motives before we judge others. That's the real challenge of Jesus' words in Matthew 7. Look at yourself before you get angry at others. We need to love others. We need to stop and question whether we have the best interests of others at heart. This is the Jesus who said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, love your neighbors, even if they're really annoying. And it is really hard to be unhelpfully angry at someone and loving them at the same time. It's really hard to hate someone and to genuinely pray for them at the same time. So I was talking to someone at work this week, and they said, oh, I'm really angry about this person. I'm really angry about what they've done. I'm going to do something about it. And I said, can I ask you a question? 
And they said, no, but I asked the question anyway. Um, I said, do you mean professionally angry, as in, in your role, you think the right response to this, this is not good, it's not good for the school, this is not good for us as a community, so actually I'm going to do this, and I'm going to speak to them, and I'm going to follow it up. Or do you mean that you are going home at night punching the pillow because you are so angry at them? Well, when you think of them, the kind of the frustration, the anger, the hate wells up inside you. Because those two things are totally different. I think the first one is entirely appropriate, and the second one isn't. And I think that's a sign for us. If you end up almost hating the person, your anger, I think, is sinful. Some of us need to stop enjoy taking, enjoying taking offense. Some of us just really enjoy being annoyed at people. Uh, back in the pre-COVID days, do you remember those days where you talk to people after church? And some people, some of us just have a list of 20 things. How's your week gone? Oh, let me tell you the 20 things that have really annoyed me. So I read an article a couple of years ago, and the title was, Blessed are the unoffendable. Um, so they added this to the Beatitudes, which I don't think you're allowed to do, but they did. But it was really helpful, and it said this. It said, taking offense is a powerful drug. It's a powerful drug precisely because it gives us power. It puts us in the place of judge, jury, executioner. And then secondly, we need to have the right view of God. Who is God? God is lots of things. But in this context, God knows everything. God knows everything. He knows. And so he is able to judge in a way that we are not. That's why when we see his anger against people, when we see his anger shown in the Bible, when his anger will be shown at the end of time, he knows everything. He's making that on the basis of perfect knowledge. We also don't know everything that God does in terms of his wonderful plan. God's plan is incredible, but it is complex, it is intricate. We know the big milestones in it, we know the big principles of it, but we don't know every detail. And I've talked a lot this morning about anger against other people, and uh, that is what Jesus is talking about. But there might be some people here or watching online who are angry at God. You're just really angry at God because of things you're going through. And again, it's worth remembering, this is our knowledge, and God's knowledge is everything. And we don't understand every detail of God's plan. We need to be humble. We need to step back and acknowledge that. But not only that God knows everything, but God will bring justice. He'll bring justice. So Ezekiel chapter 7, we looked at it earlier. Ezekiel chapter 7 says this, I'm about to pour out my wrath on you and spend my anger against you. I will judge you according to your conduct and repay you for all your detestable practices. So God will bring justice. The Jesus who spoke these words in Matthew is going to come back and he is going to judge. And that will be based on perfect knowledge of our conduct, of our actions. God knows everything. Now, on one level, that is really worrying. But on another level, if you're a Christian, if you're trusting in Jesus, that is great news. And so in Romans chapter 12, Paul says this. He says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And the truth that Jesus is going to return and Jesus is going to judge sin, that should be immensely freeing for, the, for us if we really struggle with anger. It doesn't mean that if you're in a relationship and, and you are being mistreated in that relationship, or if you see something wrong happening in the workplace, you shouldn't act. It's not, I'm not saying that at all. But some of us carry this burden of anger and we can just hand it to God 
We can go home after this service. We can spend 10 minutes in prayer and just say, God, God, I know that I'm angry. I've had this anger for a long time. I'm just so angry, but I can give it to you. I can give it to you because you know everything and the Lord Jesus is the perfect judge. I don't need to have that level of anger. And then finally, remember that God is a God of grace. My anger can be ugly and most of the time isn't justified. And so when I pray and I say to the Holy Spirit, please show me my sin, my flaws, my motives, that's not a pleasant experience, but I realize I'm just as guilty as anyone else. And so the great news for me and the great news for you this morning is that Jesus died for the angry, for the sinfully angry. Jesus came for the person whose heart is bitter and broken and hurt and angry with the world. I don't know lots of you, I don't know lots of you in terms of of your anger, in terms of the experiences you've gone through, but he knows. And he comes to bind up your hearts. He comes as the person who's more aware of your anger and frustration than you are. Doesn't need to do a course on reading body language or, or read the tone of your messages. He knows. But he also knows everything that you've done. And so the great news is that just a couple of years after he said these words in Matthew, words about judging others, words about our sin, he then went to a cross, and on that cross he hung there and he took the wrath of God. He paid it all so that we could be forgiven of our sin, including all the times that we have been sinfully angry with others. That is fantastic news this morning. Let me pray for us. I'll hand back to Gareth. Father, our hearts are naturally filled with all kinds of evil. They are sinful in ways we don't even realize. And so thank you that if we're trusting in your son, we have your spirit. Your spirit is at work in us every day, making us more into what you want us to be, to be more like the Lord Jesus. And Father, I pray this morning for anyone who's really struggling with anger, anger over things that have happened, anger over ways they've been treated, anger over situations, maybe even angry with you. And I pray that today they would know your presence in their lives, that they would examine their own hearts and judge themselves, that we would repent, that we would apologize to those people who we need to apologize to, but also that we would trust that you are the perfect judge and you will bring perfect justice. Father, we thank you that you are God and that we are not. In Jesus' name, amen.